everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to today's episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today is a great day because I sit down and talk to the very talented Alan Lasseter, a freelance animator working here in Nashville, Tennessee. Alan works with studios and clients around the country, including very recently some animations for Coca-Cola, which you can see displayed right now in Times Square. I often have the pleasure of working right beside Alan at Identity Visuals, where I am consistently amazed by his wickedly smooth keyframe skills, his fantastic illustrations, and overall just his incredible mind for animations. I really hope you guys enjoy our talk. Here we go. So, well, Alan, welcome to Animalators. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, this is our first time we've seen each other since you got married. Yeah, I know. I just got married a couple weeks ago. Yeah, congratulations. Where'd you guys go? Afterwards. We uh, we got married in Nashville. Then um, it was we went to Portland, Oregon, but we kind of spent most of our time like maybe half the time actually in the city and half the time in like the surrounding cool. areas, like on the coast and stuff. And yeah, that's awesome, man. That yeah, was beautiful. So you and I have known each other for a little while now. Uh, we've done I don't know quite a few projects together, maybe four or five at this point. Yeah. Um, but I love everything you've been putting out. I love when we get the chance to work together. Um, super fun. So I, I don't know, we, we've known each other for maybe over a year now, um, but I kind of want to start back a little bit further. I did some digging back through your, your kind of like o- old Vimeo stuff okay. from, from school days, <laughs> oh, and I oh. saw that you, I don't know, maybe like your first five videos or so were like videos, like shot yeah, videos. that was so all did, I used to do. Really? Yeah. yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about your, so you started out kind of directing live action stuff? Yeah, well, so I actually I went to school in at Auburn University for like a couple semesters. Okay. And I actually was studying graphic design there, but I didn't really even know what graphic design was and they have kind of an interesting program where um you actually have to do like a pre-graphic design program for a few semesters and then yeah. have a really like competitive selection process. Oh. I didn't make it through to that round. I really, honestly, like. Wow, that's hard to believe. I, well, I, dude, seriously, like I, I said, well, there's not much math in graphic design, so I'll probably <laughs> major in this. Like, I just knew I wanted to do something creative, and like, architecture had too much um, smart people stuff in it, so I stayed away from that. And so, I was there, and like, I wasn't really. I didn't have like a whole lot of direction. I still wasn't really fully grasping like what graphic design even was Hmm. but in that time period like I gotten really into movies um late high school and so like I was getting really like more and more into it while I was at Auburn studying graphic design and as things were going downhill with my classwork at Auburn I was sort of realizing man I want to make movies like I want to do like video stuff so I transferred from Auburn to um, a small school here in Nashville called Watkins, mm-hmm. and um, I started just taking like um, just a film curriculum and um, sort of fell into like this niche of like shooting a lot of other people's films and a lot of like cinematography stuff and. Um, the thing that's cool about that program is like you shoot stuff like every weekend pretty much. Yeah, that's great. So was your kind of thought at that point like I want to be a, a director, like I want to direct movies? That's what I, originally I wanted to be a director and then like you just sort of like fall into your own thing and mm-hmm. I started doing more camera work stuff. Cool. So I was really more into that but definitely like towards the end of my time like I started going back into directing like I just sort of realized that I kind of preferred like being at more just being able to like see a project through from beginning to the end instead of focusing on a really specialized part of it so um 
Yeah, so I, I did see in there, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, I saw in there that you got to shoot on some 16 millimeter film. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty cool experience. Not many people get to do that. What yeah. was that like? It was cool. It was, um, it, it was like really nerve wracking. And that was one of the things where like they have a really specific curriculum where you do four films. You do your first film and it's silent. There can't be any dialogue. Uh, your second film is just like a, like has to be like a 10 minute like narrative and it can have dialogue. And then your third film, it, and I think they've changed it now but because um, it's just not practical anymore. But your third film was you have to shoot it on film. You have to shoot it on um, 16 cool. millimeter. And some people actually swung for 35 millimeter if they could afford it. Um, and so that was like a thing that you knew going into it that, <laughs> oh, man, okay, when I get to my film three, I'm going to shoot on actual film. And that was super exciting um, and also super expensive, which I think is why <laughs> they kind of have stopped doing that. Um, oh, wow. But it's, the, it's such an amazing, like, learning experience. Like, because you just get so used to shooting on digital, like where you can just, you can roll forever and like you're not wasting any money or anything. You can just roll on everything. You can, you have so much more room to like make changes like on, on set and stuff. And like, you don't have to worry as much about getting your exposure exactly right. But shooting on film was like, it like puts you in the mindset of like, you have to really get it right. You have to really pay attention to what you're doing and like learn to use the light meter and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was um, a little, little nerve wracking, but it was really a good learning experience. Yeah. That's awesome. When it, and it, I don't know, it, in some ways it, it translates really well to animation, but in some ways in that, you know, animation, we get to sit here and, and slave over shots for days and days and days. But then when, when you hit film, like you hit action, like, like you said, you, you only have so much film. It, yeah. it costs money to shoot like every second um how so like they're a bit different worlds mm-hmm. how did you connect the worlds how did you get from from doing film to start doing animation it was totally random i because I, I, I graduated from film school and i still had this um i wanted to be a director but like i didn't really have as much as as much as I learned in film school just from the hands-on work of actually doing it, I didn't really I feel like I didn't come away with much about actually just how to make a career, like the more business side of things. And so I basically was just like taking any kind of video job I could get, like a lot of like EPKs and just random like small, super small budget music video stuff. Was and this live action? Stuff? Yeah, all live action. Okay. And then um, this guy, uh, Kevin Grosh, who works here in Nashville, um, um, he was working with Flow at the time, you know, Flow Thinkery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were helping Google put on this, or I guess they were putting on this Google um, event where they like would come to Nashville and like basically teach musicians and whatever kind of creatives how to monetize on YouTube and stuff. Oh, cool. And they just needed like, they're in a little bit of a pinch and they needed some like just live, just content to play at the beginning of the event. And so he knew one of my good friends, he asked him to do it. He couldn't do it. He referred him to me. And so he asked me, Hey, we want to have this like animated intro. And I really needed work, and I didn't really, like, I, I, I had messed a little bit with After Effects before. Like, I knew just the bare essentials of it enough to sort of, like, feel confident that I could do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll make something work, and um, started doing it, and it was insane. Like, I had so <laughs> underestimated just how, like, monstrous After Effects is. How much time did you have for that project? I had a, a longer amount of time than usual, which was good. Like, I probably had, like, it was like a... 30 second piece and I probably had like 
I probably had like a month okay. or something like that. So I had enough. I had enough time to sort of like just spend like a week just not knowing what I'm doing and just fiddling around and stuff. Um, so yeah, I was like backed into a corner on that project, and it like forced me to just really learn really quickly and just get comfortable with everything. And it was kind of a nightmare, but it also was super like gratifying, like because I've always had this thing where like with um, live action stuff, I want to be able to just like make make something match exactly what I see in my head. But yeah. it's like so so difficult live action. So it's many variables. Impossible. Yeah, so many variables. And you, don't get, a, and you don't get so much time at it, right? You exactly. Only, yeah. yeah, and money is so much more of a factor. But like um, with animation, like it's really just your time as much time as you want to put into it. Like you can make it that good and you really can come a lot closer to like matching what you see in, in mm-hmm. your head you know so I really loved that aspect of it so honestly after that project was done I just sort of slowly started looking for more animation projects and probably within the year I just was not accepting video stuff anymore because I knew I just, just wanted to do like motion stuff okay well wow. so how long was this after school then this first motion project I think I'd been out of school maybe a year and a half or so, something like that. Maybe a year, two years, somewhere, okay. somewhere in between there. So then you did this project, and then it's just like I'm, I'm doing animation now. Yeah, yeah. But I, well, and I, I still, it was like a tapering effect. Like okay. I still did because yeah. most of the people I knew, like the only contacts I had were vi- for video. So I kind of had to find, like, figure out how to get work as an animator. But, um, but yeah, I just sort of, I knew that I wanted to just move more specifically in that direction. So. Yeah. What. Well, and I totally resonate with what you're saying because I, I started in in doing live action as well. And then mm-hmm. when I started doing motion, it's it's such like there's so many limitations with with film. At least I feel like as far as you know, what locations can you find and like what actors do you have available and how much time do you have? And time's definitely a factor in motion as well. But it's so much more like what what can I think of in my head and then how can I get that onto the page onto the computer and, yeah. and there's like do you do you find that freedom can be a bit daunting sometimes like the the massive amounts of ideas that you could possibly have and then and then the ridiculous challenge it is to to make what you see in your head come alive yeah and, and a lot of times because you because what you see in your head it's like you feel like you have a good picture of what you want but actually it's like just kind of like this fuzzy you think you know exactly what you want but it's really just this intangible like you know ideal visual that you want to create and it's a little bit harder to actually make it translate and that is true like when you're shooting something live action like you it's kind of a great limitation in a way like you can only shoot what's in front of you really um especially if you're on a lower budget like so you kind of don't have that time to you know just kill yourself trying to think think of like you know, each detail, like how to create every single little part of it. Yeah. Well, how, so how do you get from that kind of blurry intangible to the tangible? Man, I don't know. I'm still trying to like figure out, I'm, that's like the biggest thing for me for a while now. It's been like just trying to figure out that, I don't know how I work best, like the best process to get those ideas down because yeah. I think sometimes I, I like to just really take it slow and like just, I really want to just like, it's it's kind of crazy because it's kind of like you're kind of like torturing yourself, like just trying to. Well, this is not good enough, and you just critique yourself in the moment. And it's really hard to get work out. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've been trying to like just have more of um, almost like a like a stream of consciousness kind of approach, where I just like just 
start moving stuff around and try to think about it as little as possible. Because my big problem is, like I said, just like critiquing the work in the moment and not letting yourself actually develop ideas. So I'm trying to get better at just like just putting stuff down and just seeing what it turns into, which is kind of hard for me because I'm like a little bit of a control freak in those areas. But um, that's how I find I can like get something close to what I'm thinking in my head, just let it come out naturally. Do you generally start with storyboards then? Because like, I don't know, there's something to be said definitely for planning, right? Like no, for, yeah. for doing your shot list, for doing your, your storyboards. But then there's also something to be said for experimentation, right? Like there's mm-hmm. some things that you can only know if they're going to work when you're actually working on them. Do you try and plan out a lot of, do you, do you try and plan most everything in that storyboard stage or do you leave a little bit for that kind of you know illustration animation phase i like to plan as much as possible of like just the structure like of like i I try i try to have like pretty thorough storyboards as far as like going from shot to shot and knowing how things are going to transition and how things are going to move but i also like to keep just the more pure aesthetic level of the the illustration design really open so that that can have a lot of room to to breathe. Well, let's drop that down into a specific project then. Okay. So your your are you wondering piece mm-hmm. that you did for Wonderlust. Yeah. How did that come together through like like where did that start in the planning stages then? Well, so Ryan Rumble who runs Wonderlust, he he approached me about the project and he already had a script and um he basically just said we just need something we just need something really cool we just need something to really show off uh, you know what we can do at our studio yeah for anyone listening if you haven't seen alan's uh are you wondering piece for wonderless go watch it right now it's a great piece one of my favorites from alan um you definitely need to check it out but sorry keep keep going (laughs) no thanks yeah um yeah so, so so i had the script and um basically i don't know it's hard to say i, I just sort of like um that one I actually did have a little more time to complete, um, and part of the reason was because we kind of knew going into it that I was sort of balancing other projects with it. So I kind of just worked on it for small chunks of did they time. They had a set deadline. They had like, well, we need it by this point. Okay, basically. And but you're just kind of working on it nights and weekends. Or? Yeah, I mean, every now and then, like in between jobs, like I would have like a full number of days to work on it but a lot of the times it was just working on it at nights and stuff and yeah anytime I could find yeah. it on the weekend well and, and from talking to you it seemed like you had quite a bit of freedom on the project I think mm-hmm. they get what so they give you a loose they give you a script uh, and then you just started doing storyboards from there and then yeah they had the script and basically just you know they kind of wanted to be involved in the process but also just kind of let me just go for it um, so yeah the first thing I did was just start on the storyboards and um, I really did spend probably a little more time on that than I than I usually do, um, just because it was a more like the deadline was further out in the future, and I really do uh, prefer to do that. I like have a lot of time on the storyboard because I just like having that extra confidence going into like animation that I know this is going to work. Like yeah, I know yeah. this is not going to feel weird once I'm done putting all the time in. So, how much detail will you put into your storyboards? I, I mean, just um, aesthetically, I like to keep it really, really simple and really vague. Um, I kind of like to just, I kind of just prefer to have things blocked out. But then that's always kind of a struggle with like knowing, well, it doesn't necessarily look that great to the client, like for or, or, or whoever you're pitching it to for, for them to see that. Because I think they kind of prefer to see something a little further along stylistically, maybe. But 
anytime I have the chance to just make something pretty vague, like I don't, I, don't, I might not. I, n- I'm saying this out loud. And I don't know if I'm making sense. Like I, <laughs> no, yeah. I got because I, I really do like there to be like some specificity in just the structuring of the shots. But I, but I like to, you know, I'll I'll draw like with stick figures and just basic shapes just to show the style of it. So that can still have room to develop throughout the process. Well, definitely too. And and there's certain things I think you're trying to get accomplished in storyboards, right? Like, uh, and we've talked about this before, but. You don't want the client to get hung up on on specifics in storyboards. You, you you want them to come in and and get your your basic idea and know what what exactly is happening in the scene, maybe how it's framed. But other than that, you don't want to focus on all those details just yet, right? But also for you, it's also a, it's also a map, right? It's a map for how your video is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so will you include things like transitions in your storyboards or? Um, illustration style will you, will you give like kind of a mood board or anything like that do you decide these things during the storyboards phase then I like to do all that but I, I just like to sort of try to give I just like to try to give myself as much room to like because I just think like in the middle of a project like that's where like like when you've been working on it for like a week or two and like you're just really in that groove like sometimes like that's where the best ideas come from or like a different take on it like stylistically and I like to be able to have the room to make slight changes like yeah. that and yeah. um, it's really just got to take it project by project like it's yeah. it's sometimes you can do that and sometimes you can't and like with the Wonderless piece you, you I, I could totally do that because it's I, I mean it's kind of cool working for just a studio like mm-hmm. because and they don't have to show it to a client they know yeah. totally 100% where you're coming from they know the process like how it like what it takes to make something cool and like they aren't expecting to see things like look really nice on the front end and that kind of stuff gives you a lot more freedom so I was able to work yeah. with that a lot on that well, piece well, and they can imagine what it will be like right? right like we can't expect I don't think clients to be able to imagine you know from storyboards to like what can something be like how do you kind of deal with that? I mean, I mean that's a tricky thing because part of it's communicating your vision to a client as mm-hmm. well, um, which is so challenging. Yeah, is there any like how do you navigate that? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I just like I really just like take every project kind of differently. Um, I've definitely had. Um, uh, we'll call them learning experiences instead <laughs> of bad <laughs> bad experiences. Uh, where where like. You know, like, I mean, that it is, it's true. It's, like, really hard just to put a vision, like, an abstract thing in your head into words so someone can understand it. And sometimes Absolutely. a client really does want to, understandably, be able to wrap their head around what you're going for yeah. because of the money they're putting into it. Oh, but yeah. it just feels like sometimes it's not as possible. So I, I think a lot of times if you just can give them something to, like, just something to sink their teeth into, even if even if you know it's not really going to end up, or it could veer off from that direction. I mean, not not that you should be dishonest, but just like give them something to sort of something tangible to to grab onto, and that can give you like enough leeway to kind of still explore a little bit, but yeah. sort of have them be at ease. Yeah, and it's a it's a launching point, right? It starts mm-hmm. the conversation. You make sure you kind of get what. Your client likes and doesn't likes like right off the bat, which right. is super helpful. Yeah. Um, so then, moving on in in that project from storyboards, did you jump just straight into illustration? Did you kind of finish up all your illustrations and then move into animation? Do you do that kind of as a chunk, or is it more of a process along the way? Because one of the cool things about that piece 
I mean, there's lots of, there's some frame by frame animation, kind of cell type stuff, which is, um, I'm imagining you did quite a bit of drawing for the project, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was one of the one of my goals with that piece. Like, I really wanted to take advantage of the fact that, um, like, I was working with someone who was very open to just trying like different kinds of things. And so, one of the things I wanted to try going into it was like mixing different styles together because that's that's some of my favorite work that I see is where you yeah. have like different aesthetics mixed into one thing where you wouldn't really think it would work as well, but it just sort of. I don't know you, if you can make it flow together right. Yeah. Did you have any specific, maybe like influences for that project, or maybe your project in general for stuff like that? Yeah, maybe not specific. I can't think of any like specific videos, but sure. definitely like the stuff. Um, you know the, uh, you know, the obvious answers to me are like Giant Ant and Buck. Like yep, yep. I love the way they. Um, they seem to really be able to make really bold decisions like that in a lot of their work where it, f- it just feels more fresh usually. Oh, um, totally. And, I mean, I, I, I like to do simple, like, proven, you know, styles that are proven stylistically every now and then, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more rewarding to me to, like, try stuff that's a little bit, um, I don't know, this, just you get a little bit more of a mix of styles and it just starts to feel a little more rich sometimes yeah, i think yeah you definitely yeah. accomplished that in the 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 wonderless piece thanks it came out super well cool um so did you spend do you use like a wacom tablet or anything like that a lot of the stuff in this video and some of the other stuff too um kind of feels like it has that hand-drawn touch yeah i i, I usually like um i feel like most projects i usually use it a little bit um but Almost never is it, like, the primary thing. Like, okay. it's usually mostly yeah. just, you know, using After Effects to do stuff. But um, I, I do kind of mix. Like, I, I really, like, I, I, the, one of the limitations um, that I like to try to work around, try to work around is having, I don't know, I like to be able to add dimension to the, to the like, actually dimension in the motion mm-hmm. of the 2D objects. And you can do that with shape layers a lot, and that's yeah. kind of a, cool it's kind of a fun thing to mess with but i think sometimes it feels like um just there's less i don't know cell stuff can be intimidating to a lot of people but the thing that i really like about it is that literally you can do anything and like i'm not a super technical person so the that's that's what's attractive about cell to me that it is pretty like it's like time tested and like you can yeah. literally if you put the time into it you can do anything you want like you don't have to worry about like plugins like not knowing how to use them and stuff mm-hmm. like that and um that's probably not a problem for most people but i definitely get tripped up with like i don't know a lot of the technical stuff like you know of, with us working together like i require a lot of guidance with expressions <laughs> and all that kind of all well, that stuff but no but i feel the same way about like sell stuff. Yeah. We were working on something. I think maybe you were working on a different project and I was working on something where I had to do like just a little bit of frame by frame like stuff where it's just, I think it's just some trail, like motion trail mm-hmm. or something. I was like completely lost. I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. But luckily you were sitting right next to me and I was like, what do I do? How do I get started? <laughs> so like if someone wants to get started, how like where where do you start with frame? By frame or cell animation. I mean, I just did it like um, a long time ago, and I still, I still wouldn't, would definitely not say that I'm like 100% comfortable with it. Like it's all just because I'm not doing it every day. Like it always, like when I'm pulling it out for a project, I'm always sort of having to get a little bit back into the groove. But I mean, just just as far as like um, 
learning the basics of it. Um, like for me, it was just before I really even got into animation at all, like I, I had like flash on my computer and yeah. I just not even, not even thinking like, Oh, this is animation just kind of for fun, like trying to make things move and flash and just kind of that repetition of seeing how to get from one frame to the next smoothly. And, um, and honestly, like I had done that before I started doing after effects stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, motion didn't really start clicking for me, like like trying to like making things move like move well and how you want them to um, in frame by frame didn't start making like full sense to me until I got more comfortable with After Effects, like just what like studying like the speed curves and just how to you know when you're keyframing things more precisely, it actually taught me how to time things out drawing frame by frame. Um, so I think having like a mix of those two things is pretty helpful to just get more of a grasp on that. So how do you combine kind of those things, right? Because a lot of people are using Toon Boom and um, Photoshop and Flash. Do you primarily work out of Photoshop for frame by frame animation? I think yeah, usually. I I like um, a year or two ago, I guess I, this is when I started trying to reintroduce like cell stuff and. I started using Flash just because that's what I had sort of messed around with when I was a little younger. And it, I don't know, I'm probably just, again, it's probably my technical shortcomings, but I just couldn't get it to like work like smoothly with After Effects. And I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I just, it seems so buggy and strange. <laughs> and it does kind of seem like they're, they've been sort of letting Flash kind of go by the wayside for a little while. Um, but um, so I watched this amazing um, Alex Grigg tutorial on his Photoshop animation process oh, and yeah, um, yeah that, that video is awesome if you haven't seen that you should check it out yeah um, we'll post a link in yeah. our podcast yeah and he's just amazing too I love his work so I kind of stumbled upon his tutorial and um, yeah so that's sort of it, it, it. there's something like a little bit cumbersome about using Photoshop because it's not made for that but um, I feel like it's getting better though yeah I think so adding features people are making plugins on. and stuff you can add yeah. to it to make it a little more like what Flash did like for their cell stuff so it's a little more intuitive but um, but yeah I, I, I like the like the control you get from Photoshop and, and also it honestly just seems a little I kind of like having less features, like specifically for animation sometimes, because it just clouds my mind a little less. So I started just kind of messing around with Photoshop. And um, I don't know, I have a lot, I don't really have any one process for like incorporating it into just more uh, basic 2D stuff. Like I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll do like a rough, uh, just keyframed animation, and then I'll try to recreate it. And like sometimes I'll even just rotoscope it in Photoshop just to get that look. And, Honestly, on the on the wonder, are you wondering? Project I actually did this. Um, I did part of it where I did it in frame by frame, and I don't even remember why now. But it was just a weird <laughs> process. Like I I did it in frame by frame originally. Like there's a part in the bicycle in the in this in the video where a girl's riding her bicycle uh, yeah. and her hair is blowing, and I did that in frame by frame, and then I recreated it. <laughs> I just I went through every frame and recreated it with a shape layer. And I honestly don't know why I did that now. I mean, but, it looks super smooth. That's yeah, probably my favorite you. part. I love when, like, she's, like, looking one direction, and then she turns she away, turns and then her hair's flowing behind her. It's, like, so <laughs> smooth, but has that organic feel of yeah. the, the cell animation. So, well, I don't know. I don't know why you did it that way, but it looks great. So. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, how long have you been freelancing now? Let's see. I started in um, late 2012, I think. Oh. 
I think so. It's been a few, no, few well, years now. Freelancing animation was like late 2012. Okay. Um, but I guess I graduated in 20 early 2011. I think I don't know. I don't know time. Maybe it all starts. <laughs> to, it's blurry, but something like that. Do you find most of your time is working with small studios like us, Identity Visuals, or do you ever work direct to client? Do you have a preference either way? I have I, I, I definitely most of it is working with studios. Um, I, I, I've had a few projects where I work directly with the client, and I I really like both for different reasons. I like working with studios just because it's kind of nice to have like a buffer between yeah. you and the you and the client. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes working directly with a client, especially if it's like, especially if it's just like one or two people who just like need something for their. Um, for their business or for whatever, like sometimes yeah. that can be kind of well, nice. You, you to, just recently did the the Coca Cola stuff for Times Square, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And that was direct directly with Coke, right? I wasn't working directly with Coke. Oh, um, okay. I worked with um, Eric Marinovich, who's this amazing letterer. He's based out of San Francisco, and um, he designed like they they were doing this campaign where they took tweets that people had tweeted about Diet Coke. And they asked these letters to just make them like into beautiful designs, and um, they ended up kind of last minute, I think, wanting them animated. And um, so Eric Marinovich contacted me because we had a mutual friend and asked me to just make a move. And um, so he was working direct with the client, but so yeah, I didn't cool. get to talk to any of the. Yeah, this people. turned out super cool. Thanks. Are those, those aren't dribble right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, we'll post yeah. a link to that. Cool. I, I love how those turned out. When do they? When are they live? When are they going to be in time? They're Square? playing now. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I saw like a little video clip. It was weird though. It was like a three-second clip of like just <sighs> the. So it's it's kind of hard to get a sense of it. It was it was really cool. It's yeah, cool to see it up there. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're bouncing around between studios. Um, do you do you find that you work a lot at home or in in other people's studios? I I do both. It just kind of depends. Uh, like obviously, I honestly like a lot of the work I do is is remote. Like working just like from like engaging in the Vimeo community. Like you just meet a lot of people from different parts of the country um, or sometimes out of the country. So a lot of my work is really with with people that aren't anywhere near Nashville. Yeah. Um, Usually, if I'm working with you guys or from another place in Nashville, I'll either go into studio part time or, or you know, at, at least have like some pretty consistent face to face interaction, just because that makes it easier sometimes to collaborate. But um, but yeah, yeah I, I do a pretty good mix of both. Cool. Does your wife work at home as well? No. Is your wife's a designer. My wife is a designer. Yeah, she's an awesome designer. She works for this um this shop in town called Perky Brothers, and they do really great, sophisticated work. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. No, her stuff is great. Do you guys like get together at night and talk about like, like critique each other's work? Do you guys, you know, push each other to be better, or do you not really talk about work too much? We do quite a bit actually, because we're we're both sort of at a point in our lives where we're just like very much, um, very much work focused, I guess, and like we sort of. Um, you know, to the dismay of both of our mothers, where <laughs> kids aren't on the table right this minute, so we're kind of using that time to focus on work. And it's really nice having like a have a to have just a spouse that's really like, dedicated in the same way as as you are to like yeah. a pretty like you know our fields are different, but there's a lot of overlap. Oh, for sure. So we like we honestly though we honestly probably talk. M- less about like just like creative like actually we probably will talk less about projects and more about just the struggles of like creative work really like because like we we it's it's and it's really awesome like like to have someone who understands like 
Because I think a lot of times um, people maybe who don't do creative work for a living like think like, well, what do you have to complain about? Like you're just making pretty <laughs> pictures. And that is totally true in one sense. Like it is totally true. Like there's really nothing to complain about. But when you're in it in the moment, like sometimes it can feel like – like, I don't know. I know that a lot of times I have thoughts like it's so weird that I'm cho- I chose to do this thing that I really love to do, like for that to be my livelihood, because it's it becomes less about fun and more about survival, you know, mm-hmm. which is like a really strange thing. So I think that causes a lot of like um, it can cause a lot of like stress and tension sometimes. And it's just cool to have someone who knows exactly what you mean and yeah. and just and knows that sometimes like. You know, you have these dreams, like when you're a student and stuff, like of having this glamorous creative life where you just get to do all this cool stuff all the time. But then, like, the reality of, like, well, sometimes you have weeks at a time where you're just doing terrible work, you know, or or, or you're just not feeling it creatively or whatever. And so, yeah, we, we, talk to, we talk to each other about that kind of stuff probably, honestly, more than, like, looking at each other's projects, although we do that a lot, too. Yeah. But. Well, do you do you have that kind of dream? I mean, right? We we all get into this because we want to make cool stuff, and we we want to have fun doing it. And we want to make stuff that matters too, yeah. right? Um, but obviously, that's not always the case. But occasionally, it is. And is, what is that kind of ideal fun project for you? I mean, I'm always kind of trying to think like, well, what is my in? What's like? what's my, what's the end game here? Like, what am I working towards? And I don't really, I don't really have like a specific answer. I mean, I definitely just enjoy doing projects where I like for it to not be, I prefer for it to not be soul crushing. Like I prefer for it to be like something that can do, do some good. Um, that's great. Um, and obviously, I really like to have some creative freedom. But in terms of like, I don't know, I have this, I have this thing where like there's sort of like a distinction between like doing like narrative work and commercial work. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of overlap in those things, especially recently. Sure. But sometimes I think like, I don't know, sometimes I think I'd rather just just do narrative work all the time because that's where my like very first, like when I went to film school or whatever, that was my goal. Like I wanted to like direct films and direct feature films or whatever. Um, and I don't necessarily have those same aspirations of being like a feature film director anymore, but um, I definitely would like to get to a place where I can just be more focused on narrative stuff. And um, there is something I do like about commercial work. Like there's something about the directness of commercial work and like knowing that you have a problem to solve. Like yeah. you have a problem to solve for this company and that's your goal. Whereas narrative stuff, like more personal work can be a lot more fuzzy, which makes it a lot more difficult. Um but I don't know. I'd li- I guess I'd really like to get to a place where I can just have more of a mix between those two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Does this mean we might see an Alan Lasseter short film sometime in the future? I hope so, man. I've been. I've been. I want to see it. I want to watch that <laughs> film. I've been. It's been on the back burner for way too long now. It's. It's like I don't know. I, I mean, when I when I graduated film school. That was my whole plan. I said, okay, I'm just going to freelance and I'm just going to work and I'm going to really, really my main focus is going to be outside of work hours. I'm just going to make my own personal work. And I just didn't realize how hard that was. <laughs> well, yeah. And, these, well, and, and one thing I love and appreciate about you is, I mean, you, you give every client project we give you your all. I mean, I mean, you, yeah. you put in extra hours, you take it home with you, which you totally don't have to do. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, I, it happens to me too, right? Like yeah. I get zoned in and I'm like, man, I want this project to be as great as it possibly can be Yeah. because 
because it's fun. Like ma- making it as great as possibly can be. That's like why we we do this because we want to make something that's beautiful and yeah, and and like strive for that perfection. And I think it's easier to like think that. And I think probably a lot of people, like a lot of people listening to this, probably think that same thing. Well, it's like okay, well, it's it's easy to say like um, like well, just don't put your just just hold back on like what you give to like a client project, you know, and that makes sense. Um, intellectually, but it's really hard in the moment because I think I think there's something that comes up for me. It's like, well, if I'm already spending a lot of time on this, regardless, like, like it, I don't know. It feels like the more work you put into it, the more worthwhile it is sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's really true. I see a lot of people on Twitter. It's really cool getting like other people's perspectives on work and stuff. And I think a lot of people have really healthy attitudes about like um, having like a good work life balance. And that's something that I really would like to get better at. Um, yeah, me too. But um, I don't know. I think it's hard. It is so hard. Yeah. Like, why do you think that is? I think, I don't know, man. I think um, it's like this weird thing where you feel like you're going to get some satisfaction out of your work that you can't get <laughs> in other places, which is, I don't know, that sounds kind of sad putting it like that, I guess. <laughs> but... But I don't know. I think it, it really does feel like this. Um, this like sometimes it feels like an unattainable thing of like you're trying to like this project is really going to be the one. This is the one that's going to yeah. be like the best thing I've ever created. So you want to put all that time in, and it's like it's easy to look at every project like that. Like, and the next one is always like, oh, well, this is the one. If I fail on this project, it's all over. If I do great on this project, it's going to be it's going to be what makes me. You know, yeah. which is kind of silly, but it's um, yeah. It's, but I think there's like that's part of what pushes us to do like work that's good I think right so I think there's yeah. there's some healthy element oh, to yeah. that right yeah I, mean, I think that's true but it's it's all about that balance mm-hmm. but then there's also a part of it right where it's like I, you know you feel like my name is going to be on this like this is going to go on the internet people are yeah. going to watch it and like like this is me in a video almost right yeah. and, and that and I think that puts a little bit more pressure on it and, oh, and, yeah. and I think it's at least for me, I need to help, like try to distance myself more because like then revisions come in and I'm like, no, 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 like yeah. don't change it. It's so like this is the way I want it to be. And then that can be frustrating. And It's really weird, too. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, and I, I do this all the time and I try to like catch myself and not do it. And I see other people do it all the time, too. You see it on Dribble all the time. Like there's so many times like people will post something and will say, uh, this is just some quick thing I did. Like, uh, th- there's always like a little disclaimer at the beginning. Yes, like, no matter what yeah. it is, oh, I did this really quickly. Oh, this is in a couple of nights. It's like you want, even before anyone looks at it, you want to, like, have an excuse of like, well, <laughs> don't judge me too harshly because <laughs> yeah. I did this in like a couple of days or something. And I'm really bad about doing that. And like, I want to be better about just like owning the work because you're like, this is this is it. Like, this is what I made. But but it's like it's easy to downplay it so that you can protect yourself a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that all ties into that. It's that oh, pressure yeah. of people seeing your work and and especially like I think because we do put like so much of ourselves into projects that maybe we feel like we shouldn't on another level. Like it feels like, well, a rejection of our work is a rejection of mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. You know? So that's that's tough. I think I think it's probably like I think We've probably been doing like, like motion stuff for pretty about the same amount of time. Yeah, like, I think so. A few years now. Yeah, three years ish. I think. I think. I feel like. Um, I feel like your attitude gets healthier the longer you're doing something. Like it maybe becomes less of a 
huge deal, like whether something succeeds or fails and you start to, so I don't know. I feel like, um, it's probably fine. Like just, just <laughs> keep doing it. Just keep working. You'll eventually figure it out. Like, I don't know. That's, exactly. what, that's what I think all the time. Like I know that I know that I need like to start looking at this kind of work in a healthier way. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it'll just happen with time. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of people can relate with that. I yeah. know I do, but I hope so. I hope we don't sound like two people complaining about doing fun work for a living. <laughs> well, it is it is fun, but it's also like yeah. it's it's challenging, it's time consuming, yeah. but that's what that's part of what makes it fun. Is right. That it is a challenge and that um, that people want to watch it too and that's crazy. Yeah. Like that people like watch stuff that we make yeah. and, and people get to see it and people get to use it. Like our clients get to use it uh, and there's something really special about that and and that you know, people can see something. We might change someone's mind about something, um, even in a small way. So all that's uh, super fun. Yeah. But so we kind of are ending each show with the, kind of the same questions, same few questions. Okay. Uh, so the first one, who lightning is... Lightning round? Yes, lightning round. Well, it yeah. doesn't have to be lightning. But, okay. <laughs> uh, who is your dream client, if you have one? Oh, boy. Um, They're really tough. Dream client. Um... Oh God, I don't know. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Dream client, or maybe dream dream studio to work with. You already said Buck and Giant Ants. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would, uh, yeah, Buck. I would, I would love to just work with those those people at Buck or Giant Ant in particular, just because I feel like there'd be so much to learn from yeah. working in an environment like that. Um, but I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of studios lately that. But th- those two were probably like the first two that I was like really like super like blown away by. Like when I first started like like looking into motion design and kind of figuring out what it was. So yeah, totally. I would say either of those two places would be a dream to to work with. Sweet. All right. Favorite animated film. Favorite animated film. Um. Sorry, I'm overthinking these. <laughs> Everyone is going to judge you based on this this favorite animated film of yours. I feel, I, I, I would say like um, <laughs> probably uh, uh, I'll say like the one that like kind of blew my mind the most when I first saw it was Princess Mononoke. Um, the How Miyazaki. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. I, um, need, I need to. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. I, and he he has a lot of films that I think other people would say are really better. Um, oh man, I might have to change my answer because <laughs> there's another one that um uh, came out just last year, and uh, I'm totally blanking on the director's name, but he also is a Studio Ghibli director, and he made his last film last year, Princess Kaguya, I think it's called, or Kaguya, uh-huh. um, and it's amazing. It was played at the Bell Court for a little bit. Um, you should check it out. It's yeah, I it's will. like super. Like, cause like Ghibli films like are are pretty like grand and epic in scale, and this one is in its own way, but it's also like super like super stripped down, and a lot of times just like incredibly like organic. Like it looks like it was animated very quickly, hmm. but by people who've been doing it for fifty years and can just you know just churn out gorgeous work. Like, I mean, it's like it's got this like really effortless kind of rough, messy style. It's really beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. So what does your wife's parents think you do for a living? (laughs) 
they know that I do some kind of video work. And I think that they they grasp the concept that it's animated stuff. But, yeah, I, I don't know what they would say. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. they would just say he makes videos. It's like such a hard stuff. thing to describe. Yeah, I it find is. it hard to describe. Sometimes. Yeah. All right, last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator avatar and why? Um, I don't really have a deep reason for it other than just <laughs> I thought it, it could be cool to make it, but it's a it's a snake. And um, honestly, driving here, I was thinking, oh, that's going to sound bad, like that I chose a snake, <laughs> like the most distrustful like creature on earth. But I just like, I don't know, I just wanted to do a snake because um, I thought it could be a fun thing to, to – um, to make stylistically. Well, Alan, thanks so much for coming on the show. To find out more about Alan's work, head to his website at alanlassiter.com or follow him on Twitter at at Lassitat. Thanks for having me. Animalators is produced by Form and Function. You can find out more about them at formandfunctionmedia.com. Our theme music was written and produced by Cody Fry. To learn more about what we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out IdentityVisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at IdentityVisuals. And don't forget to check out Animalators.com to see Alan's Animalator and to get bonus content from this show. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or you can look for us on SoundCloud. We had an incredible first week appearing on the iTunes new and noteworthy charts. and We heard a lot of great feedback from many of you who listened, so thank you so much. We want to keep the momentum going, so subscribe, tell your friends, leave us a review, and we'll see you guys next week with a new episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. <laughs>